Yes. The madness is here. I come to y'all so humble. Yo. The madness is really here and the madness finally caught up to me. I was feeling myself. And where do I go from here? You know, it's so wild, y'all. I came into the date with my final four still alive. You know, luckily, I don't take myself too seriously. <laughs> because somehow I started the Elite Eight with my final four. And now I have none of the final four. With the blink of an eye, the madness is here. Look, you know. I was a little sad at first, but then, you know, I remembered that I can't be a hypocrite. And I told y'all a few episodes ago on Sports Reports is Ordered that the NCAA tournament is the one time you don't mind being wrong. Because when you're wrong sometimes, and when it comes to much madness, you also get a little bit of history with it. So with that being said, this is the first time that there has never been a seed in the Elite Eight. Ain't that something? You know, out of all these years of having the NCAA tournament, this is the year, which we should have saw coming, you know, going off of all the craziness in the regular season. I mean, even teams that got in like Clemson lost to Sister Jean and everything like that. Been one of our signs that this was going to be an abnormal tournament, which I thought it was because I picked somebody like Creighton to get to the Elite Eight. At least they're here. But, you know, as far as the final, your boy is all done, all tapped out. But that doesn't mean we can't have fun, you know. So, of course, we're going to off with some quick notes. So, first of all, Texas and Miami playing later today. Dylan Disu, I brought him up the other night against Xavier. He was in a walking boot. So now he's day-to-day with that bone bruise in his foot that he suffered against Penn State. Texas didn't need him against Xavier. He only played roughly a minute and a half, and they were able to put it on the Musketeers without him. So, you know, we'll see what happens today. I think Miami will probably provide a stiffer challenge. I'm leaning Miami just off of the fact of that, but we'll get back to that. We'll see what happens. You know, but, you know, hope he gets well. I hope he's if they do win today, I hope he's playing the final four. So we'll see what happens. Speaking of the final four, we're halfway there. Shout out to Florida Atlantic. I told you not to call them a umbrella, you know, but hey, they beat K-State. So here they are in the final four. And then, of course, last night as well on top of that, you know, we ended up with UConn putting it on my zags. You know, they zigged when Gonzaga zagged. So, you know, we'll get it a little bit later. But back to the quick notes. So I was reading about the ACC. You know, the ACC is near and dear to my heart, you know, because I grew up in Maryland. So I was watching Raycom and Jefferson Pilot Sports and all that good stuff. You know, um, ACC Commissioner Jim Phillips wants to have a meeting with his conference ADs to talk about perceptions of the conference. And here we are. I have a quick quote from Mr. Phillips. So I'm reading this quote. We have to portray ourselves in a different way. And maybe it's our scheduling. Maybe it's our providing information back to the committee, but we're going to be aggressive how we look at it. But we're also going to be proactive, Phillips said. We feel the narrative hasn't been quite right the last two years. 
We're going to try to do something about the offseason, end quote. So you know what? He's absolutely right because, I mean, Miami's in the Elite Eight right now with a chance to go to the Final Four. So as long as the ACC is, they still show that if a team gets clicking, they can be as good as the rest of the country. But the problem that I have with this statement is I hate – I usually hear this with college football more so than basketball – but, you know, if somebody like TCU comes through and wins the conference, everybody's, well, it was a down year. I mean, somebody still has to win the conference, whether it's a down year or not. And by doing that, all you're doing is discrediting the accomplishment these kids set out to accomplish and were successful at. But I bet you, I bet you, I don't know how much money I'm willing to bet you, but I bet you. If the five teams from the ACC that made the NCAA tournament this year were Duke, North Carolina, Virginia, Syracuse, and Wake Forest, I thought we would even be having this conversation. We wouldn't be calling it a down year because the typically successful ACC basketball schools that we grew up watching, of course, Syracuse was in the Big East, but they have that brand. If those were the teams that made the tournament, everybody would be just fine. It's just the fact that Clemson got in. Pitt guy and Miami is now one of the leaders of the conference. That's why it's considered down because even a crappy North Carolina team that would have got in at say 23 and 12 would the ACC be viewed differently just because of the name North Carolina two five says, yes, I want to know what you think about that. You know, out of all my years watching the NFL, I never heard anybody say, well, yeah, the Bengals won the division, but the AFC North was down. You know, I never watched the NBA. And if the Knicks pulled off the Atlantic division, nobody would have said, oh, yeah, Boston was down. You know, Toronto was down. The Sixers were down, so on and so forth. They would just be stumbling over themselves to talk about the Knicks. <coughs> Excuse me. That's the problem that I have with this is because what's down? Is it just the typically normal thing doesn't happen? That I thought separated college basketball and March Madness from all these other sports. Because in the NBA, generally speaking, the best team wins. You know, in baseball, maybe not the best team, but, you know, maybe it's the team that's pitching the best at that time. <coughs> oh, excuse me, people. You know, like uh, in the NFL, you know, Seattle won the Super Bowl. Nobody's going to say the 49ers were down. So I don't know if that means what everybody thinks that it means. But that's me. And some other news. Ohio State forward Bryce Sensabaugh has declared for the NBA draft. He is a freshman who led the scoring at 16 points. He had five rebounds, and now he has declared for the draft. So I'm all about one and done. I'm all about none and done. You know, like, I can't wait for the rule to come back. I know – College basketball fans get upset because they feel that the quality of their sport goes down because we don't have these seniors anymore. I know you the Tyler Hansboroughs, the Adam Richards, the Adam Morrisons, you know, guys that you feel a connection to because you watched them for so many years. But this is America, people. You know, capitalism rules the roost. And if you're good enough to get drafted by somebody, it's not as if you declare for the dream up on team. Somebody has to draft you. So maybe since the ball gets humbled and maybe he goes lower than he's expected, I don't know how that's because according to NBA, 
He's currently projected to be the number 26 draft pick, and NBA.com has him at 17. So I read up a little bit about Sensabaugh, and the comparisons that I got were TJ Warren and Bonzi Wells. So I know there's this talk about whether the league has improved due to evolution and all that kind of stuff like that. But if Bonzi Wells and TJ Warren are one and dones, maybe that speaks to quality in some degree down the NBA. You know, um, I don't want to get too deep into that argument, but I'm just saying, you know, like I came up where John Wall was one and done. You know, um, we had people like Derek Rose being one and done. Bryce Sisabog being compared to TJ Warren and Bonzi Wells doesn't quite give me that same feeling in my gut. And oh, by the way, Ohio State went 16 and 19 this year. Now I know they got some win big. 10 tournament got to the semis and everything and lost to Purdue but just saying and then finally Sam Houston State hires Hooten from oh, I'm sorry Sam Houston coach Jason Hooten left the university to go take over the post at Mexico State we know New Mexico State has had some trouble over the last year or so they ended up with a player in self-defense murdering someone you know up in some girl's dorm room because she tried to set them up and then of course we had the hazing thing that caused new mexico to cancel their season a couple of weeks ago so you know but jason hooten comes over from sam houston state sam houston state is now a member in the whack that a lot of people didn't know existed you know but he brings with at least 18 wins over the last 10 seasons Six 20-win seasons, and oh, by the way, they were the number one seed in the WAC tournament here, which just happened at the conference that New Mexico State plays in. So I think New Mexico State's getting a good coach. We'll just have to see what happens. You know, I, I imagine there's going to be a bunch of transfers. We'll see what happens and how he can get started there. But, you know, the Aggies do have a rich basketball history. Obviously, they're not North Carolina. They're not Duke, anything like that. But they have a pretty good basketball history. And now we must focus on this. Down goes the one seeds. So I mentioned before, this is the first Elite Eight in history that there is not a one seed present. The crazy thing about this is that this was not a double header where, you know, one one seed lost in the early window and then the next one seed played in that next window and had back to back windows of craziness. They lost probably about 30 minutes apart and neither one was particularly close. So let's start with Alabama since the one that went down first. And I myself have now put out an APB on one Brandon Miller. I don't want to do the thing. I got to do the thing. You know, how much was the news and the media and all the things that have happened since January 15th weighing on young? You know, he had his coach excusing his actions. And I brought up on sports reports disorder before. I'm not saying that I would have necessarily suspended him, but maybe some welfare checks, maybe some hey, let's have this guy talk to somebody and see where his mind is. Not saying that they did not do that because I don't know that they did not. That's just what how I would have handled the situation because something traumatic like that, whether I know that when little kids have parents break up, even as adults, when your parents get a divorce, you tend to blame yourself. So being that Jamia Davis got gunned down in the streets and he provided the weapon, 
whether he knew the weapon was there or not is neither here nor there, but the weapon was in his vehicle somehow, some way, and it was given to his teammate or his teammate came and got it. And he probably didn't know what was about to happen in that moment, you know, but that I imagine that that only weighs somebody that this woman, mother of a five-year-old was gunned down in a weapon that was in the vehicle that you drove, whether you had anything that to do with it or not. So, you know, there was some talk all around the nation of how awkward is it going to be if Alabama wins the next title, you know, one moment with this guy up there that had been through this. I don't know how much that weighed on him, but I would have just imagined that that would weigh on him. So, with that being said, in this game against San Diego State, who plays Creighton later today for the right to be the South Regional Champion, go to the Final Four, he shot just three for 19. He also had just, or not just, but he had six turnovers. Six turnovers, you know, and this is the number two or number three draft pick. So we'll see how that, what happens there. Does that hurt his stock? Where does he go from here? I don't think it does, but we'll see because the end draft is usually about more so potential than it is results. And I think he has enough of a results over the course plus games in the season that teams think that they know who he is. Excuse me one second. Now, with that being said, he went eight for 41 overall in the tournament. So that was over the course of three tournament games which qualifies him as the worst shooting percentage at 19 and a half in 64 years. And that's courtesy of Matt Norlander of CBS, the I on college basketball podcast. Great show. Uh, San Diego state trade trailed 48 to 39 halfway through the second half. So going into halftime, they were up by five, 28 to 23. And everybody said, was in trouble. Second half started. So we thought to ourselves, Hey, you know what? Bama's going to turn this thing around. They started to take a nine-point lead, so thought that we were correct. And then San Diego State said, ah-ah, that just ain't going to happen. So San Diego State basically went on a 12 over that point, and they established dominance from there. So Alabama, unfortunately for them, for their fans, has still not made a Final Four in school history. You know, uh, San Diego State came through because Matt Bradley, San Diego State's leading scorer, who I told you was their leading at 13 points per game, he went two for nine. So it wasn't a moment where he put the team on his back and said, hey, let's do this. They won it with defense because Alabama three for 27 from three-point range, which reminds me of those Kentucky teams, John Wall, Eric Bledsoe. You know, DeMarcus Cousins shooting three for 34 against West Virginia in the Elite Eight in a game that would have took them to the Final Four and made them one of the most disappointing teams that we saw as far as their actual result on the court. Uh, so in case, you know, uh, you want to do some digging, you know, that shows you that Alabama shot 32.4% overall for the game. So it's all props to San Diego State. Don't come in here doing the whole Alabama beat themselves. They didn't show up right. No, Alabama got beat on it. Frankly, they got the asses beat. So San Diego State deserves all the props. Alabama starting backcourt. My guy, Javon Quinterly and Mark Sears, kind eight for 24. San Diego State made Alabama muddy it up and play their game, and they just couldn't. 
So shout out to the Aztecs. Good luck today against Creighton. We'll see what happens and see if they can make the first Final Four in their school's history since Alabama will not. And about, like I said, minutes after that, the Houston Cougars, you know, went down to the Canes. They got caught up in the eye of the hurricane. And this is only the time this season that a team has put up 70 points against Houston because they had the nation's number one defense. And now that brings Houston to two in those games. So if you wanted to beat Houston, you had to get the 70, right? I said 68, but 70 proved to be enough, and they ended up scoring 80. So, you know, there it is. My Final Four blown up. Most of your Final Four is probably blown up. But uh, with that being said, Isaiah Wong turned to Chris Paul from the mid-range. You know, I told you that in Houston's losses this year, two of that three-headed guard monster all had an off game. So this time it was Marcus Sasser and Tremont Mark, you know, shooting a combined eight for 25. You know, whenever Houston loses game, it's always two of those three. Jamal Shedd ended up six or 11 for 15 points. So he tried his thing. But Nigel Pack, Nigel Pack decided to throw in some Ray Allen tape and impersonate him by shooting seven of 10 from three. So he set the tone in this game. You know, he's guys not going home. Watch me work and come along for the ride. So Miami, where the, they made the big difference, even though I just gave you those stats from a scoring standpoint, we know that the game comes down to more than just scoring. Miami actually tied Houston on the boards, which I thought was going to be a big advantage for Houston. And I told you earlier in my predictions that Miami had to keep the boards clean. I didn't think they would get even, but being even was good enough because they kept Houston off the boards, you know. So shout out to Miami. Congratulations. Second straight Elite Eight. They match up with Texas to try to make the Final Four. Jim Laranaga, 73 years old. I don't know how many of these he's got left, but he's here now, you know. And this is not Georgetown, you know. He's got a team that we know. So don't be surprised to see Miami in the Final Four after today. So. Houston only had eight turnovers because, as I mentioned, Miami doesn't force a lot of turnovers. So what did it come down to? Miami did what Princeton needed to do. They just hit shots. So there we are, an elite eight, you know, with no number one seeds, which means up before with no number one seeds. So we got ourselves a final four. We got ourselves a tournament, baby. The Blue Jays are here. Creighton with the win over Princeton. So this is the first time being them in San Diego State. This is the first time that five seed and a six seed are playing against each other, you know, for the regional final since the tournament expanded. You know, San Diego State being the five, Creighton six. So our, our guy, Baylor Shireman, Keeps his three-point streak alive. He finished with 21 points on 8-11 shooting and 5-7 for seven from three. But joining him in this party was Ryan Calbrenner, the big seven-foot-one. He put body all over Princeton. He got benched a little early in the first half because his face just wasn't right. He was showing some frustration, and he got yanked out the game for a quick second. Hey, come sit over here and get your mind right. Go back into the game and do your thing, right? 
So he went back and did his thing. He went nine for 12 from the field. So Princeton did not go down without a fight. They kept chipping away. You know, they got led by Ryan Lambert with 26 points. Ivy League player of the year. All right, I'm going to try this, y'all. Don't judge me, but I'm going to try this. Tosan Ebuman, you know, chipped in with 24, 6, and 9. So Princeton didn't play bad. Creighton was just better. You know, um, I mean, Princeton did shoot 60% from the free throw line. So, I mean, you know, nitpicking, right? But they did do that. But Creighton finished plus 11 on the boards. And I think the big part of this was I told you that Princeton needed to hit shots. Princeton needed to see some threes fall. They did, but Creighton matched them. They finished with the same amount of three-point mix. So they didn't have an advantage there, which I thought they needed to win that game. So this is the one that I got right for Friday night, which brings us to Xavier in Texas. Tyrese Hunter, you know, the transfer from Iowa State with 19 points. Marcus Carr and Christian Bishop, 18 apiece. And this was with no Dylan Dishu, as we talked about. For Xavier, Adam Kunkel, he hit five threes. You know, he led the team with 21 points, but Xavier just never found their feet. They just never got into this game. Texas dominated from the start. And I told you, hire Rodney Terry. He's in the Elite Eight now. And if he wins today, he's in the Final Four. And if he makes the Final Four, I just don't see how you don't give him that job, but that's just me. You know, what do I know? You know, Texas went up 17 at the half, and to make matters worse, their last point of the hat was a half-court heave. So it was just one of those nights where Xavier just kind of, I guess they probably knew at that point, we ain't here for this. This ain't going to happen, right? And remember in the preview, I told you, not only did Xavier give up 7.4 threes per game, they also make 7.4 threes per game. What happened in this game? Both teams made seven three-pointers. So what did I tell you, man? Xavier is consistent, if nothing else. So congratulations to the University of Texas. You know, good luck against Miami today. Let the chips fall where they may, and we'll see what happens. Now, on to last night. Kansas State, FAU. Sorry, y'all. This weather change is getting to me. But uh, K-State at FAU. The Owls are in the Final Four. Who, who? You know, they are in the Final Four. Who saw that coming? Even the biggest FAU fan probably couldn't believe that we would get here. 35-3 and three is their record on the season. Excuse me one second. I'll be right back. 